Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. It was neat to see you play, and it's fun to talk to you all these years later because you played with a lot of joy and you played with passion. And I've seen Dan Dicko hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. Well, you know, I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. I think there were a lot of kids who looked at Dan Dickow and said, Dan Dickow can play at this level, I can play at this level. Welcome to the ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dan Dickow. This week, we kick off something new for March Madness. Over the last year or so, if you've been listening to this podcast, you have heard many conversations with coaches at many different levels, lots of them at the college level. March Madness is a special time for anybody that loves the game of basketball you've got high school state tournaments which we focused on last week and now you've got conference week starting this week and leads into the ncaa tournament so this week and over the next three weeks we will be releasing a conversation with a college coach um, that has occurred over the last year today's first in the series will be with portland state head coach barrett peary Barrett is wrapping up his fourth season as the head coach at Portland State after being a very successful junior college coach and a head assistant coach at a couple different spots uh, at the Division I ranks, including Arizona State and the University of Utah. Portland State had an interesting season. They were one of the last Division I programs to begin to practice this season. Uh, didn't even start practice until November. Um, so they got a late start on it. They had some stretches this year where they really showed some bright positive spots, including a stretch late in the season where they won seven of nine games in league play in the Big Sky. Uh, they'll kick off the Big Sky tournament against Northern Arizona University this week. Um, so look forward to uh, following how that goes as well as their season uh, next year. So. Here goes with Barrett Peary of Portland State. Welcome to today's episode of the ISO podcast with myself, your host, Dan Dickow for SB Live Sports and the Believe Podcast Network. We continue to try to bring conversations with people in the field of sports, typically basketball, coaches, players, front office executives. Today's a coach who's been at a number of different stops and at a number of different levels, and I quite frankly like what he's doing at his current stop, head coach of the Portland State Vikings in the Big Sky, Barrett Peary. Coach, how are you doing in the park blocks? We're doing good, man. Every day is a new day like everybody, but uh, we're just trying to pass tests and be negative with the tests and be positive with everything else. You mentioned be positive with everything else. Uh, obviously, you don't want a positive test, but you've got to have a positive outlook um, in regards to the college basketball season, in particular when you're around your team. I had a chance to broadcast uh, one of your games earlier this year when you guys played the Washington State Cougars in Pullman. And what I was impressed with 
in regards to you and your team was the upbeat outlook that you provided on the sidelines. Is that something that you're making more of a concerted effort about this year because of everything that's going on in the world? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, we, we've had, you know, you and I have talked about it. We, we had a struggle just even getting to where we could be allowed to practice. You know, we started practicing on Thanksgiving. So we were 30 days or so behind everybody else when it came to all that stuff. So we had to get positive in a hurry. I generally think I'm a positive guy and a positive coach. You know, in my office, I, I have a, uh, a picture on the wall that says, would you want to play for you? So I try to rem- remind myself every day that this needs to be a good experience. That doesn't mean that everything's rosy every day, but, but uh, you know, having a good outlook, having a good experience and, and having guys enjoy basketball, you know, it, it is a game and we want to enjoy it and have fun doing it. Uh, work can be fun and, and, and the struggles can be fun as well. But as we're all learning around the country, every day is a new day, you know, and you go through different experiences with all of this and just hoping you get to practice each day. You mentioned basketball and it does bring a lot of people joy, whether you're playing, whether you're coaching, whether you're around the game as I am now on the broadcasting side, it's something that, that brings me a lot of joy. I can't imagine there was joy. There was more uncertainty in those 30 days that you mentioned of kind of being behind. How are you staying connected with your group? And were they even in the Portland area taking classes or or were they off in their own home areas? You know, when, when everything shut down around the country in March, our guys went home shortly after that. And to be honest with you, you know, we recruited a new class and we had a big class of guys to get a lot of transfers and different things. High school guys came in. We didn't get our guys, we did not see our guys or get our guys back on campus until October 7th. So from March until October 7th, I didn't see one of them. We didn't get to be around them. We didn't get to have them here in Portland. They were all better off being at home where they could work out a little bit more freely than here because Portland was on such lockdown and our campus was on lockdown to where I couldn't even give guys a basketball to get in a gym anyway. So Behind was a big word and trying to trying to uh, stay connected and continue to communicate with them and and build relationships. You know, uh, I've never prided myself on or bragged myself up saying, man, I'm going to really out X and O that guy and, and, and drop this special sideline out of bounds play that's just going to smoke him. But I have pride, prided myself in the fact that I've been a relationship guy. I've been a guy that I was really connected with his players and wanted them to know we love them and care about them and spend time with them. And so not having the summer and the fall uh, was a big dent into me to where I really think that's what helps our teams grow and get better and, and make us good. And so we didn't have that. So then, like I said, we got them back in early October and quarantined them for a couple of weeks. And then we were just in the waiting game of trying to get uh, a situation where our governor would okay us to practice. And we waited all the way till Thanksgiving. So then five days later, we were playing Portland and here we go. And, and it's kind of been catch up the whole time. Even last week, you know, I felt like we were making ground and, and making some progress. Right before Christmas, we had a really good game with Oregon State. We had the ball down one with 13 seconds to go and didn't quite get the call that we wanted to get. But we're getting better and, and our guys are doing well. We've had a couple good wins. Um, but then last week, you know, we were headed up your way to Cheney to play. Um, and got into Cheney for two games to play Eastern Washington. And we had been at the hotel about 10 minutes and I got a call saying they had a positive test. And so we needed to turn around and go home after driving through a blizzard. So um, we used their gym. We went and practiced. We had a nice meal. We had breakfast the next morning. We got back on the bus and went home, you know, and we bus there so we could be more COVID friendly and safe instead of flying. 
and uh, and had to turn around and go home. So uh, I think that you know people were asking me, oh, Coach, how disappointed were you? How how bummed out? How how emotional were you about all that? And you know I think we're all beyond that now. I think we're all just saying, Yep, that's what happened. So here's what we had to do. Let's deal with it. Let's go home. Let's practice. Figure out if we can throw a game together. We talked about nine different teams, seeing if we could get a game put together in 48 hours. Couldn't quite do it. So now here we are working on a new week and see if we can play some games. I think the the word that you use there is, is so perfect for this college basketball season, and that's adjustments. You've got to make adjustments with your schedule on the fly. I know I've had a broadcast where I did all the prep work leading up, and I get yep. an email at 6 a.m. that morning, games off, and the prep's right out the window, and now you got to move on and look forward to the next uh, opportunity. Yep. But for a coach – you know, you have to go through the scheduling process of games and practices when that happens. But you mentioned you were 30 days or so behind in starting practices. How has that changed what you're trying to do with this team? Are you bigger picture as far as uh, philosophy on how you're playing? Or are you behind in where you would like to be with your playbook at this time of the year with all the adjustments? Or, or where are you? I think... The funny thing is, I think I really had to buy into some coach speak that uh, usually if I hear it from somebody else, it, it was kind of like, oh, whatever. He's just blowing smoke <laughs> where it was literally like, OK, guys, we have to realize where we are at on the calendar. We have to realize what we are working on. We can't get into comparison. And this team is doing this and this team is doing this. Um, I have something on my wall right here that says comparison is the thief of joy. And never before have I been concentrating on that more than now, simply because if you try to compare right now what certain teams are doing or getting to do, you know, getting to do is a big deal. You know, like we sat there all summer and all fall watching teams get to practice or or like, you know, our first day of practice was opening day of college basketball. We were watching teams play and we were getting ready for practice. So we had to throw all that out the window. Yeah, we've had to look big picture for sure and understand where we're at on our calendar. Our calendar is a big word that we're using right now. Let's worry about us and our calendar. Um, we didn't change anything we've done as far as how we're playing or what we're doing. We just wanted to implement it as well as we could. I probably never imagined, I never could have imagined, um, you just don't realize all the stuff you get done in June and July and August and September and October that you just take for granted. And uh, I never imagined it would be this challenging, but we do have a good group and a group that I think as long as we get to keep playing and keep practicing, we'll be good when it's time. And, and, and they've shown that. Want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether rare, dead stock, or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to sell or flip 
your collection. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. You know, I've always felt like the, the best players embrace and love the, the challenge of practices. And when you're so far behind getting going into those uh, early season practices like you guys were, did you have the sense that you had players that were attacking practices like a game approach? No doubt. In fact, you know, we joked as a staff, we said, you know, as we were in our waiting period in October and November, we were kind of saying, well, I mean, I can't imagine us having bad practices. The guys will be dying to go to practice. We haven't had bad practices. They've been very spirited and great effort. And the guys have had great attitudes. And we really have had to do some of those things that, you know, would sound corny where we just say, hey, thankful to get to practice today. You know, something that you and I would have laughed about a year ago at this time, just saying thankful, get to practice. I mean, what are you talking about, BP? That's stupid. But every day, yeah, you're thankful. You know, we've got weights here in a couple hours. And then we're going to test in the middle. And if we pass the test, we get to practice today. And, that, and that's how everybody's living. And so um, that's where we're at. But we have a good group. We have a good, talented group that I'm excited about. I'm always interested in hearing from coaches about why they got into coaching. You know, many times, um, and I don't mean this as a slight to many former players, but, you know, guys have been around it for so long. It's just, it's the easy thing to do. And, and, what was your path getting into coaching? Was that your passion? Was there a coach that really kind of pulled you aside when you were growing up uh, and said, hey, I think you could be really good at this. I want to help you learn the trade. I want to work on your craft with you. You know, no, I was kind of the opposite. I, I, was, I was a guy, I always looked up to my coaches. My coaches were always my favorite in school and junior high and high school. I always looked up to those guys. You know, I played basketball, football, and baseball and, and was in a small town and played sports with all my buddies, uh, went to play college basketball, played at Southern Utah and all through school, you know, I was studying communications and I was, I was dead set. I was going to be the next Jim Nance. I was going to graduate from Southern Utah and go to Arizona hey, state job, for huh? broadcasting school. What's that? You're going to come after my job. I was going to come after your job. And so, we you know, I, I had about a half a year left to graduate. And, uh, after my senior year and I asked coach Evans, I was playing at Southern Utah. I asked coach Evans, I said, can I be a grad assistant while I finish up just to have something to do? And you now I was working like in the P the PE gym, handing out t-shirts and this and that and, and doing laundry and then just finishing my degree and uh, was all set to graduate, which I did and then, and move on. And I spent that year as a grad assistant and I started just having these little conversations in my brain, like, you know, uh, next year at this time, I won't be on a team. Next year at this time, I won't have my hand in the huddle. Next year at this time, I won't get free t-shirts or tennis shoes. You know, that's going to be really, really weird. And, you know, like you, you know, when you grow up in it and you're on a team your whole life, um, it really would be a shock to your system. So uh, I kind of changed my path, like, like almost overnight where I was like, you know what, I think I'm going to try this coaching thing. And I graduated and, uh, and the rest was kind of history. 26 years later, I got a job at Snow College as an assistant uh, working for $12,000 a year. And uh, I was the summer programs director and assistant basketball coach. And that was the beginning 26 years ago. So um, I, it was never my dream, but then I realized that this is who I am and what I do. And, and I didn't ever want to not be on a team. 
Well, the times that we've had a chance to talk, I, I can sell, sense and hear the passion for the game that you have. And every player in their playing career has a, has a different route. Every coach has a different route. You've had a unique route in the fact that uh, you've been a head coach and had tremendous success at the junior college level, but at the national junior college level, you've, you've been a part of some power five schools as assistant coaches, and now you're leading your own program in the big sky. It, tell us really quickly about some of the differences of those challenges. Yeah, every place is different. You know, I've been fortunate to work for a lot of good guys and, and learn and grow. And, and like everybody in every field or every, every job that they have, you know, you, you take things that you like from, from people and kind of incorporate them in what you want to do. You know, Herb Sendak, you know, a lifelong head coach that's been many places, been very, very successful. You know, he, he's a daily CEO. As I worked for Herb at Arizona State and then Santa Clara before here, um, he's a guy that runs the ship and is a daily CEO of everything that's going on, a natural leader of uh, the business. Um, Jim Boylan at Utah, you know, just recently was a head coach to Chicago Bulls. I worked for him at Utah. He was tremendous at teaching and breaking the game down and studying. He taught me how to study better. He taught me how to look for things, uh, the game within the game that, that we could look at and practice and work on, little drills and different things that we could prepare for. Uh, a team and try to beat them. Um, and his passion was really, really good. You know, I, I played for and worked for Bill Evans at Southern Utah, you know, when I was much, much younger. And, you know, kids wanted to run through a wall for him. You know, he had relationships with them and they would they would kill for him. They'd fight for him. And so I think you take things from everybody and you try to incorporate them and be you. But the best advice that I got from Coach Evans years ago when I, when I got my first head job at CSI was, you know, just be you. Don't try to be anybody else but you. And I think that's very important for all coaches. You know, we all look up to people. We all idolize people. Man, I'd like to look like him on the sidelines and act like him. You know, um, you can only be yourself. And if it's not you, if you're not acting like you, it's not authentic and you won't even feel comfortable in your own skin. So um, I think that I've just been taught by a lot of good guys. And then you take what you like and, and you use them and get better at it. Of all the, the coaches that you've kind of come up uh, in as part of their staffs or, or been around, is there one coach that you find yourself gravitating to as far as your own style of play and how you want Portland state to, to, to look on the floor? Yeah. You know, all the guys that I've worked for, um, when they see our style of play, they hate it. They're, they're like, I can't believe you play like that. <laughs> so, Cause we press and run and, and, you know, try to have it pretty chaotic and, and, you know, a little bit of a method to our madness, of course. But obviously, no matter how you play, um, you have to work on it every single day and, and get good at what you do. But no, none of my mentors love the way we play. You know, if, if, if Herb Sendek or Jim Boylan or, or Coach Evans or Jeff Reinert or some of these guys had, had to spend time uh, coaching on my staff, they'd be like, I don't believe in this. Let's get out of here. So, um, yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is, is to be yourself, you know, and, and do things that you believe in and do things that you think kids can excel at. And, uh, you know, it's really important for me that kids um, not only enjoy the process and the experience, but are passionate about it, that they believe in it. And I want kids to feel bulletproof. I want kids to feel very confident when they play for us in our style of play and what we do. Um, not just have talented guys that we run out there, but guys that really believe in what we're doing and believe in themselves. Having been involved with two of the really good national level junior college programs, 
uh, College of Southern Idaho, and I believe it was Snow Snow College. Indian Indian Hills. Indian Hills. I'm sorry, Coach. Yeah. Um, you know how to recruit and evaluate those levels. Is that something yeah. that you are trying to bring to Portland State? You know, I, I think every place is different with what you're looking at, what you're trying to get. I'm thankful the fact that I've been at different levels because I think that the relationships have helped me with recruiting, but also, you know, recruiting guys from different parts of the country. All those experiences go into what you are today. Um, those two places that I was at, you know, those are top five, top 10 programs that, you know, if you don't win 30, win, 30 games, you know, at the end of the year, you know, kind of like your alma mater at Gonzaga. If they, if they don't go to the Final Four this year, Coach Few had a bad year. But if you don't win 30 games and make a run at a national title, they kind of said, well, that's a bummer year, Coach. And so um, I liked the fact that those places were basketball places, and it was really every single day people were on it basketball-wise, and they really, really cared. Um, all the little things about running a program, those were great learning experiences for me to get to this point here. Um, but all those learning experiences that you go into, you know, being assistant coach at Utah and Arizona State, Santa Clara, places like that, those were all growth, growth spots for me and opportunities to learn. You're now head coach at Portland State. You're in your fourth year. Um, your city in Portland is much different than a lot of big sky schools. Uh, yeah. you're, you're not a true college town where you're the only game in town. How do you use that to your advantage um, in recruiting and then when you have the guys on campus? Well, I, I think you know our city well, but I think our city yeah, is different than a lot of the places in our league. And so I think it's an advantage for us. Portland's fantastic. Guys have great visits when they come here. Guys love living here, you know, with the Blazers and Nike and the, and the city. Um, you know, and then I think the, one of the biggest game changers for it was for us is after year one for me, you know, we played off campus at Lewis and Clark my whole first year. Uh, waiting for our arena to be finished and having our new arena, having a real facility right here on campus at the top of the park blocks that we can really show off and be proud of. Um, that's been a big deal for us. We have a great place to play now. I think many guys before me over the years, and you've been in that old place or you were in that old place, um, wasn't real impressive, wasn't something that people wanted to come and show off. There was a lot of, a lot of other great things, but that wasn't one of them. So now we think we have another great piece to the puzzle that really helps us. And it's shown in our recruiting. I like where we're at that way, but Portland's a great sale and, and kids, you know, especially kids from other cities, you know, it's a real comfortable transition because it's not an overwhelming big city, but it's a, it's a nice city that guys can come and be comfortable with. Absolutely. Now I want to put, I want you to put your basketball fan hat on for a second. Okay. When you're, when you're watching the NBA game right now, is there, a certain player that you maybe share your your affinity for to your program? And then is there a team that you want your staff to kind of really dive into and watch um, what that pro, what that organization is doing? You know, I really was into um, studying the Jazz offensively last year. I studied the Jazz and the Blazers. I thought they ran really good actions. And there's some stuff that I really enjoyed for our team and trying to do. Um, the NBA game, I don't study it as much per se because they play differently than we do. Um, over the years, I've studied a lot more college guys, but um, player-wise, there's no player right now that I just 
dive into and say, you know, like my son is LeBron through and through and, and, and uh, my other son is Kyrie. So that we have the family fights going on all the time about who's better. And, and my, and my daughter loves James Harden because we were at Arizona state and all those kind of things. And so the, those family arguments happen every single day when people are playing, but uh, uh, growing up in Utah, I still am a jazz guy being here in Portland. I like Portland as well. So I follow those teams more than anybody else. And, um, you know, have different friends around the NBA on different benches and things like that, that I like to pick their brain on and talk about, but it's usually smaller stuff like, Hey, what are you guys doing for offensive rebounding? Or, Hey, what, how do you guys guard flare screens? What's your philosophy on if it's on the second side of the floor or different things like that to where I like picking their brains on the littler stuff, but I end up studying college guys that maybe play like us or older films that, that, that people played like us. Yeah, you're, you're so right in one of those comments you made uh, in the fact that they're two completely different games. Same yeah. sport, completely different games. So if you're, if you're looking at the landscape of college basketball, is there a program that you look at and, that you want to kind of use as a blueprint for Portland State being that you're in a big sky, in the big sky conference, you're in a good sized city that you think, hey, they did a nice job with this, this, and this we can try to emulate that and have success as well. Well, first of all, I think emulating um, style of play within the lines, I probably would say that I probably study and follow, especially in recent years. They're not pressing as much, but they do the rebounding thing like we do. West Virginia has been somebody that I've really studied a lot. Um, you know, more recent years, I loved how Mike Anderson's teams were playing at Gonzaga and Missouri when they were pressing. Shaka, when he was at VCU, I used to study that a lot. Even Bruce Pearl's stuff at Tennessee when, when he was pressing a lot. Those teams kind of fit how we played a little bit more. Um, but probably most recently, I study West Virginia, especially with the offensive and defensive rebounding. And then when they've been pressing and getting after it full court, I liked what they've done. And then I've spent time talking to those guys about different things. Um, and then Texas Tech in the half court. Uh, Mark Adams is a great friend of mine there. And, and we spent a ton of time talking about uh, defense in the half court and siding the ball and, and not letting it get to a second side and all those kind of things. And so pieces of the game that I like to pick people's brains on. Well, I see some of those traits in a lot of, from a lot of those teams in your team when I saw you guys earlier this year. Uh, Coach, I appreciate the time. I wish you nothing but the best of luck. And uh, I agree. The new addition to that arena should do uh, a nice job of, of helping you guys continue to make the climb in the big sky. Because quite frankly, I do think it is a better basketball conference than the average fan realizes. So coach, thanks for joining today. Thanks. Appreciate you. Appreciate our friendship. Look forward to doing it again. Absolutely. Again, take care. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.